Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. When I volunteered in my mid to late 20s, it was hugely beneficial and impactful to where I am today. And on this episode of Autism Stories, I talk with Kelly Londenberg about how volunteering helped her on her employment path, also being a certified occupational therapy assistant, and the importance of accepting her autistic identity in her life. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I wanted to start out and just get an idea of where does your story in the autistic community begin? Well, it really began probably around middle school. Around that time, I was seeing a psychologist because I had a lot of aggressive and self-injurious behavior. And I heard the psychologist talking to somebody in the next room and said that she felt that I had autism. And so she, I didn't tell my mom that, but I mentioned it to her one time. And we read about it. And I told her I think that that was pretty accurate. And so then she took a UCLA where I got the official diagnosis. I read where you said that behavior programs are implemented to teach the individual not to overreact to their environment or engage in autistic behaviors. So when autistic people, in your opinion, are involved in programs like this, how do you think this impacts them on, say, an emotional or psychological level? Well, there are a lot of things that we need help learning how to do, but learning how to suppress a reaction, like I've seen some people not want the individual to cover their ears when there's a loud noise or, you know, to make eye contact when it might be painful for them. And really, this impacts them in such a, not just a psychological way because they're trying to change who they are as an individual, but... It also teaches the individual to ignore their pain receptors and ignore their interceptive state of being and not to listen to their body signals, which can actually teach the individual not to know how to regulate themselves at all because they're always ignoring pain stimuli around their environment. So it really can do a number of you know, very harmful things because our natural reaction is to always protect ourselves. And when you are taught to ignore your own natural reactions and your body's always in a fight or flight response because you're not taking care of, you know, the noise or sound that might be bothering you, 
then it just puts you into a constant fight or flight response. Now, at one point in your life, you started working with an occupational therapist who was well-trained in sensory integration strategies and techniques. How would you say this changed your life? So, of course, I knew occupational therapists that just worked on handwriting or cutting skills, but really, for me personally, that really does not do much good, but... When I finally met a good friend of mine who's also well-versed in sensory integration issues, I just finally felt like somebody that was neurotypical understood me and was able to help me learn some of the skills I lacked. Like, I've always had a hard time with self-regulation and emotional regulation. And him teaching me some of the strategies and teaching me to learn to identify my own emotions and my own body signals as to when I was overwhelmed has let me become more independent because now I can go to a store by myself because I'm not afraid that I'm going to melt down or I can advocate for myself with the doctor because I'm not afraid to do some of these things because before I would not know when I was about to explode and so it made every emotion very scary for me and therefore I needed somebody with me all the time because I didn't know So this clearly had an effect on you working with the occupational therapist because present day you are a certified occupational therapy assistant working in school settings. What have been some ways you've adapted the environment for the students you work with to meet their individual needs? You know, every individual has so many you know, possible different needs that they may need addressed. Some simple ways, you know, in maybe in a general education class might be to have preferred seating so that the individual can pick the spot that's more comfortable for them, you know, wear sunglasses or a hat to block out lighting, that type of thing. I also work with mostly individuals with significant sensory needs, and that could be modifying the environment where every one of our Classes has a movement in sensory area and swing and calming area. We have dividers to block up and structure the class so that it doesn't become as overwhelming for them. As well as we teach all the classroom staff and aid to teach the individuals how to advocate for the sensory needs that they may need and have, you know, a choice board with those options available to them. And kind of what, what's the feedback from the staff in regards to that? Are, are they understanding about sensory needs and those types of things? Or how much education um, needs do you need to do to kind of get them up to speed or half speed? So I actually work in a very well-supported program where, you know, we train staff on an ongoing basis. And then we're in every classroom on a weekly basis to collaborate with them on each of the individual needs of each child. So they're really having ongoing training at all times. We actually do work really closely with our behaviorist who has now become a supporter of sensory supports. And the collaborative effort really does allow, you know, all spectrums of types of teachers to buy into the supports that are needed. Luckily, it works really well for our students, so... Now, beyond being a certified occupational therapy assistant, 
you've done a quite a bit of volunteering in your life. So for the last 18 plus years, you volunteered for the Autism Society of Inland Empire. And in 2012, you received the National Volunteer of the Year Award from the Autism Society of America, which is quite an honor because there were 150 nominees from 200 different chapters throughout the uh, United States. So I'm really interested. What were some of your roles, responsibilities, and accomplishments that you feel like led you to receiving such an award? I did a variety of things for the Autism Society over the years. I ran a social group for teens and young adults, just a social group where they had the opportunity to network twice a month. And then I also did a similar program for younger children for a short time. The other program I ran was a assistive technology and then alternative communication group where families and individuals could come for support in that aspect. And mostly individuals who have very limited language who are learning to communicate or who are mentoring others in communication. I answered the hotline along with my mom and ran the Facebook group with, I think we're around 5,000 individuals right now. And then I did a lot of like family events such as you know, on Thanksgiving Day, we have a lot of families who aren't welcome at other families' house due to behavior of their individuals or adults who aren't supported by their family. So we would have, you know, Thanksgiving potlucks and we'd go on family camping trips yearly. You know, just a lot of variety of family events like that. So It sounds like you do it all. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I'm interested in the AAC group. So is that something that's currently still going on? I'm not currently. I just actually graduated with my bachelor's degree. So while I was in that program, I stopped running any. I think the only thing I'm doing right now is the Facebook group. I'll get back into running that. But no, right now I took a break to finish my bachelor's. Hmm. But probably in the next couple of months, that'll return. So oh, the, what is the AAC group? So a good friend of mine who also lives around here uses facilitated communication to communicate. And so I teamed up with her and we're supporting families that were using all types of different communication methodologies locally. A lot of them were beginning communicators, but then there were others who, you know, were very fluent in communicating very effectively. So it was a whole spectrum of individuals. Now, I myself have done quite a bit of volunteering in my life, and I, and I definitely think it's helped me, well, in a lot of ways, but one way it's really helped me is on my path to employment over the years. So I'm just wondering, from your perspective, do you see volunteering beneficial like uh, during your path of, of employment? Oh, I think for me it was actually very crucial. I actually started volunteering in middle school. I didn't really feel comfortable being out with the general education peers during lunch. So during middle school, I would go into, you know, the moderate severe class and volunteer. Even like when I was on break, I would still come, you know, during Christmas break and still volunteer while they were there. That was like really the only place I felt comfortable. And then as I got older, 
I kept volunteering for the same program after I graduated high school. I went every day from like eight to three o'clock and it really taught me some of the executive functioning and self-management skills that I needed for the workplace because right after high school, I still spit on people and turn tables over and like punch people and I couldn't do paperwork and I would freak out if they had me do a timesheet. I'd rather not get paid than fill out a timesheet because it was just so overwhelming for me. So really volunteering allowed me to gain some of those skills that I wouldn't have been successful being employed long term if I hadn't learned. So So in preparing to talk with you today, I read that you said that autism is your passion. So I'm interested, if you were giving advice to someone that might be interested in, in volunteering, would you tell them to look for volunteer work that's connected with their passion or, you know, or special interest? Or are there other things that people should look for when considering the type of volunteering to get involved in? I mean, ideally, we would all love to do what we love, right? Like, you spend more time at work than you do anywhere else in the world. So it'd be helpful, especially if you have a strong passion for it to be related to that, because it will make work enjoyable. But I also understand that, like, if you're interested in being an astronaut, you may not be able to go to space right away. You may need to, maybe you can volunteer in a bookstore and help out in the science section, or, you know, a similar related topic until you do have the skills ideally yes but everybody doesn't have the access to the exact you know passion that they may want at that given time but yes i mean wouldn't we all want to do the thing we love that was what makes life great i can attest to that with learning about autism being your passion what aspects of learning about your autistic identity do you feel have been most helpful to you in your life? I guess I really liked learning that there are other people like me because in elementary school, I would say around fourth or fifth grade, I knew I was different from other people, but I didn't know why. And I knew people would stare at me and I knew people were afraid of me, but I just didn't understand. So when... I learned that I had autism and then started to meet other people. It really gave me this sense of like community and a sense of belonging with somebody besides general neurotypical individuals where I often felt excluded, especially in the younger years. I also, I have learned to accept, you know, I would say in my later teens, I really tried to follow every social rule and try to remember every single thing that I'd ever been taught. There's rules like, call me when you get home, but then don't call after midnight. So like, what do you do if, you know, you're supposed to call somebody when you get home, but then it's already after midnight. And so there was a lot of conflicting rules that would cause a lot of stress in me. And so for a long time, I try to follow every single rule and it would actually cause a lot of meltdowns because I just, I couldn't figure out how to follow all the rules because they collided sometimes, you know? So as, you know, probably in my mid twenties, I started accepting that, you know, my brain is just different because I'm on the spectrum and I don't need to follow all these rules. So accepting that kind of as an identity made life much less stressful 
because I wasn't trying to conform to all these neurotypical standards. It wasn't taking so much energy, my mental energy from my being. So that's another great way it helped. Now, beyond this interview, if some of our listeners wanted to learn more about you or get in contact with you, how could they go about doing so? They can email me. My email address is autismtoday at aol.com. Or you can contact me through the Autism Society Inland Empire if you want to call the hotline to, to talk more in detail. Those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Well, Kelly, I really appreciate your time today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much to Kelly for the conversation. I really loved when Kelly talked about accepting being autistic in her mid-20s because that made life less stressful for her. And that's really important part of the coaching we do with Autism Personal Coach to identify, embrace, and accept not just your autistic identity, but all of your identities and how using that knowledge to reduce the stress and bring much more joy in your life. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be so much appreciated. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk about setting goals for autistic students. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.